Hey there, welcome to this week's episode. It is crazy time right now. I'm sure it is for you too if you are celebrating the upcoming Christmas holiday. If you're not, that's fantastic, but you may have another holiday that is coming up during this time too that's a little crazy. It's just that frenetic energy going on, but um, we're still here and doing a couple more episodes this year, so keep tuning in. And just a couple of quick things before we get into today's episode. So first off, I um, have been talking about this, and this is the week where there is going to be a very special offering to those who are signed up on Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint waitlist. So if you're not signed up and you are ready in the new year to tackle your hormone issues, you are ready to get started that second week of January. So get everything together that first week and really get set to go into 12 weeks of changing your hormonal life go ahead and sign up for that waitlist. So this during that 12 weeks, let me break it down for you if you haven't read about Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint before. It's basically a program that is going to teach you everything that you need to know about your hormones so that you are empowered to be able to get over your hormone issues, whether that is period problems, whether that is PMS, whether that is perimenopause, navigating that, there are so many issues that can come from our menstrual cycle. And at root, they have all the same causes. And so you're going to understand how your menstrual cycle works. You're going to understand how the gut, the liver, and the adrenals and thyroid all work together in terms of overseeing your menstrual cycle. And, you know, um, basically, allowing it to do its thing, you're going to learn about the energy um, energy body and how that impacts your hormones. You're going to learn about the emotional aspects of um, how that impacts your hormones. And you're going to learn about mindset and how important that is, not just for your hormones, but your overall health. And then everything that you want to do in your life. Mindset is key, right? This is something I have to work on every single day for myself. And with my clients, I see the ones that really are able to focus on their mindset, see the biggest leaps and bounds in whatever they are trying to do with their health and in their life. So we're tackling all of that. We're also talking about the transition from, you know, what it's like to be cycling to perimenopause to menopause. So no matter where you are in that spectrum, you're going to understand what's coming up, right? Um, Obviously, if you're already sort of later in perimenopause, you know, you are catching up on what's going on to hopefully make that last bit of your transition to menopause a wee bit easier. Um, We're going to have so many amazing guest experts who are going to dive deeper into these areas with us. So we've got my guru, um, hormone expert, Nicole Jardim. We've got Dr. Marisa Snyder. We've got Dr. Erin Kinney. Um, Dr. Kinney is going to talk about stress and hormones. Dr. Um, Marisa Snyder is going to talk about using herbs and essential oils to help with hormone issues. Nicole is going to talk about breaking down your cycle for you so that you understand it. We also have um, Shante Bates, who is a fibroid expert, in my opinion, especially dealing with fibroids naturally. Um, She's really got it down and um, is so useful if you do have fibroids and you don't want to go the surgical route. 
She's got a plethora of information. Um, and then we have Rachel Hughes, who is a uh, midlife queen. I like to call her. She is doing uh, the transition between perimenopause and menopause right. Um, and we're going to ha- hear from them. We're also going to, on the weeks that we don't um, have with them, we're going to be meeting as a group going over what we learn that week. So basically week one, Monday, you're going to get a kit full of information delivered to your email. It's going to have video, audio, written information. So no matter what your learning style is, you have access to that. I know a lot of people like to do, say, maybe the, um, you know, audio and then read it or maybe the video and then listen to the audio when they are walking around. I mean, there's so many ways to get this information in. And then we're going to discuss it. We're going to meet on those Thursdays where we'll have either just our group or we'll have a guest expert. And, um, you know, because things are, people are coming into this program from all over the world. We're going to have different times where we have our um, connections and those will be up on the Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint website. But here's the thing, even if you can't make the time, you, it will be recorded so you can listen in later and you can always send your emails um, beforehand with questions. And hopefully you'll be able to, you know, pencil it into your um, calendar now because you'll have that information. So it will generally be at either 12 p.m. or 2 p.m. or 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we're going to build a beautiful community. And that's one of my favorite things about doing these programs is women getting a chance to see that they're not alone, women getting a chance to see that other women are going through the exact same thing that they are, um, women seeing that there are answers and there are ways to get out of the sort of maybe horrible feeling uh, around their periods and around their menstrual cycle that they've had for so long. And so it's beautiful to see the empowerment that happens and the changes that happen for the women in these programs. So I'm so excited about that more than anything else. There's also lots of bonuses. I'm not going to go into all of them right now. You should check out the Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint page on my website. But I will say one of the things that is new to this year's program is I am doing the AO scan, which if you listened um, last episode, maybe in the last bonus episode or two bonus episodes before, um, I talked about this um, bioresonant scan that has been blowing my clients' minds that I've used it on. So I'm so excited to add that as an additional freebie in Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint. And that's actually worth like $500 in and of itself. And the program's not going to cost any more than it already does. So super, super excited to have that. Super excited about all of it. If you are needing to make your hormones be better, get your hormones right in the new year, deal with, you know, things like fibroid cysts, um, acne, you know, PCOS, PMS, all of these things, come on and join us. If you head to my website, christinegarvin.com, you will see the um, link at the top of the page to sign up for the waitlist. Do it now because there is an email going out. Today is Wednesday. There's an email going out on Thursday that is going to um, share some insider information and some amazing offer that um, will only be valid for two days. So 
get on top of that. You can also, while you're on my website, check out the Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint page and everything that is involved. So I hope that if this calls to you, you hop on that right now because I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait for, for you to be a part of this program and for us to get to know each other and um, to support each other in this process. Okay, what else? Oh, so if you are interested, next week I am doing a free um, webinar as part of Transformation Enzymes, which is a supplement company, their um, monthly webinar series. And I, it is actually called Advanced Approaches to Tackling Fibroids. I will let you know it's a little bit more scientific um, than my traditional webinars because it is geared a little bit more towards um, doctors and nurse practitioners and things like that. But you, if you're interested and you want to know more about fibroids, it's a great one to sign up for and listen to. So I'll put a link in the show notes for that too, or you can go to the Transformation Enzymes website and go to where you can sign up for webinars. So I think that's it. Today we are talking skin, 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 because that is such a big you know, issue for so many people. And I loved talking to today's guest. She's so knowledgeable and you know, um, certainly the connection with PCOS since she dealt with it herself. So buckle in. If you have some skin issues today, you're going to learn, you know, about root causes around that and how to start having your skin clear up ASAP. And we will be back next week with one more um, episode uh, interview style. And then the final episode of the year, definitely turn tune into, it's going to be the best of from the year. So excited to share all that with you all. And I will see you soon. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. This week we're talking about a topic that so many of us out there in the world are really focused on, particularly if there's something going wrong with it, and that is our skin, right? Having had acne as a teenager, really until my probably early to mid-20s, I certainly know how frustrating the acne world can be. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, for some of us that had acne when we were young, we seem to develop rosacea later in life, which is what I did too. So, you know, working with acne, I think obviously traditionally has been this sort of like kill, kill, kill approach um, from the external perspective or taking medications that really unfortunately can do some damage, right, to your system. So today we're going to talk about skin health, how that's connected to your hormones, to your gut and lots of other places. So you can really get to the root cause of your acne and not just, not just try to like 
kill your skin in the process. <laughs> My guest today is Amelia Papadopoulos, who developed an interest in skin health from an early age as she developed chronic acne in her teens and was later diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, otherwise known as PCOS. Unable to clear her skin through medications and skincare, Amelia entered the world of nutrition, which finally helped her understand what her body needed to naturally rebalance her hormones and achieve clear skin. Alongside her nutritional therapy qualifications, Amelia has done additional training with the Institute of Functional Medicine. She now successfully helps people with stubborn acne finally achieve clear skin and regain their confidence through diet and lifestyle changes. You can find her at, at ameliannutrition.co.uk and on Instagram, she is at Amelia Nutrition. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm really excited to be on here and just talk about all things skin and hormones. Yes, yes. So good. So before we dive into that connection that I think a lot of people, you know, may not know about the skin and the hormones in the gut, let's talk about how you find your, you know, found yourself doing this work in the first place. Yeah, so I first developed acne when I went through puberty. So it was probably around the age of 12, 13, mm. which I guess is seen as pretty normal. But yeah. it never really went away. It wasn't horrendously bad in my teens. It wasn't until I got to about age 20. Mm. And then it really flared up. And it was that typical kind of adult acne where it's kind of like a beard of spots that you develop mm. with your line. I couldn't fix it at all with topical treatments. Um, I did start eating healthy. I started to change parts of my diet, but it was just getting worse. And then mm. I looked into polycystic ovarian syndrome and thought, why well, didn't I know about this before? I have mm. so many symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, went to the doctors, did kind of had to fight for a ultrasound and some blood tests because I wasn't, although I had like changes in hair growth and acne, I didn't really struggle with weight gain or weight issues. And I hadn't tried at this point to have a baby. So I didn't have mm. any issues. Well, I didn't know if I had any issues. Fertility issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got an ultrasound, had some blood tests done. I had high testosterone. I had cysts on my ovaries and then they kind of went off the other symptoms and diagnosed me with PCOS. Mm. And then I went and saw a functional medicine practitioner and we worked on all the underlying imbalances and my skin cleared up pretty quickly and it just stayed clear. And then from there, that's how I ended up. Yeah. Studying nutrition and functional medicine and doing the same for other people. Nice. So when you said you had symptoms um, of PCOS before you went in, you know, besides the acne and, and hair changes, what other symptoms did you have? Yeah. So again, it was things that I didn't really know weren't normal. So my cycle could be anywhere from like 32 days to 40 days, mm -hmm. which is getting quite long, but they were regular as in a sense of, I never thought I missed a period, even mm. though it might it be that it was, more, it was 40 days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that wasn't normal. And mm -hmm. my periods were generally quite light, which I thought was a good thing. So they'd be yeah. like two days max. Um, and they wouldn't be heavy at all. Again, I just thought that was a good thing. Sure. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, compared to <laughs> all your friends that were having these like horribly heavy periods, right? And we're just like complaining about it. You're like, that's well, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was those that there were symptoms I didn't know that were, yeah, possibly showing that I had 
maybe like low levels of estrogen, high levels of testosterone, some insulin issues. But also there was things that you don't think about as well. Like I'd get so hangry. I almost felt like I was having, well, I guess if I went periods without food, I'd get so shaky, Mm hangry, um, just needed to eat like ASAP. I had Mm -hmm. loads of cravings. I didn't struggle from a weight gain perspective, um, but I don't know whether that would have been something that, you know, maybe happened further down the line. Because when we did blood tests, I did have high insulin, high HbA1c. Um, Yeah, yeah. I just want to cut in there really quick because I think that's an important point that people automatically will look at larger people and think that they have some health issues and they will automatically look at thinner people and think that they don't have health issues. And that Mm -hmm. is not the case, right? We can't see what's going on inside of the body based on what's happening on outside of the body, you know, and, and it can be, it's frustrating on both sides, right? When people are trying to get help and support from their doctors, because if you're larger, they'll say, just lose weight, you know? And if you're smaller, they'll be like, nothing's wrong with you. (laughs) And you're like, yes, there is actually, you know? So, um, you know, I think this is where when we get into specific testing around things like this, like you can certainly have high blood sugar. You can certainly have, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize like hypothyroidism because weight gain is supposed to be, you know, a part of that. That's not necessarily the case. There's plenty of women with low functioning thyroids or even subclinical, you know, hypothyroidism running around out there that are are thin, you know? So don't judge a book by its cover essentially. And, you know, I think that's so, so important for people to take in, you know, to their doctors too, is really advocate for themselves to get these tests done. Cause that's going to show you a whole lot more than just this, like they're looking at you and diagnosing you based off of that. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. And I think with a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of women do have a diagnosis of PCOS and I'm definitely seeing a lot of like lean pictures Mm -hmm. of PCOS it's not that everyone's struggling with um like weight gain or struggling to lose weight yeah so and it's interesting because it is usually when you do those blood tests that insulin is high I guess we'll talk about that yeah yeah well let's dive into that because I think I love talking about blood sugar on here. I love talking about it in general because it really does underlie so many issues, right? And particularly with hormones, like, you know, you just, no matter what your hormonal issue is, if your blood sugar is whack, it's, it's going to be part of that spectrum, right? So yeah, let's talk about what with PCOS you, you know, tend to see and how the blood sugar impacts that. Yeah, so I tend to do blood tests that will just look at a lot of different things because even if you just look at blood sugar, you're not yeah. getting a full picture. Yeah. But insulin tends to be high. Mm-hmm. And then fasting glucose will be high as well. Mm-hmm. HbA1c will be another thing that's raised. Mm-hmm. And this is impacting your hormones because when these are when these are high, they can contribute to inflammation and they can drive that testosterone up as well and contribute to testosterone becoming that more potent form of Mm. DHT Mm -hmm. which isn't great from a PCOS perspective and also an acne side as well Mm -hmm. yeah and I see even if someone hasn't got a diagnosis of PCOS from an acne side it's really common to have those insulin levels high and it's going to contribute to like blocked pores 
increase in sebum production mm. i suppose you kind of just think of what happens through puberty mm-hmm. especially like a teenage boy that's the kind of picture you tend to see when these insulin levels rise and it then affects things like testosterone you get oily skin you get changes in hair growth um yeah and it's a big driver in voices can drop you know yeah. things like that yeah yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah i find it you know uh an interesting thing that at least here in the u.s insulin is not a regular marker that a doctor will check, right? They will check your blood sugar, your fasting blood sugar. And then if you're lucky, your HbA1c, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I have to often um, nudge clients if they're getting that done through their doctors to ask for that. And some doctors are up for it and some aren't. Insulin is rarely even a thought that crosses their mind. So that's something you have to ask for. You know, when I do comprehensive labs on my clients, same thing, insulin is on there because your blood sugar can look just fine. Your HbA1c can actually look just fine or bordering, you know, and then you see that insulin number and you're like, okay, this is where we're really seeing it. I don't want to say early necessarily, but we're seeing what this path is going to go down for your blood sugar Mm -hmm. eventually. So really just your glucose you know, your fasting glucose isn't giving you that much information because it. I feel like it can look good kind of for the longest <laughs> out of all, you know, I have a client still, she, she tests, you know, around 85, which is really, you know, here that's like prime, um, optimal, uh, area, but then her HbA1c shows the truth of what's happening at like 5.7, 5.8, you know? So, um, so yeah, you, that's something that, you know, at least here, I don't know if the uh, same is true in the UK, that you have to definitely ask for that insulin to be tested. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had it. I've asked for it. Yeah. I've never had it back from a doctor. So it is something that we have to do separately, separately. especially mm-hmm. if there's not like a family history of diabetes mm-hmm. or any really prevalent diabetes or di- diabetes or cardiovascular symptoms mm-hmm. sometimes it can be hard to even get the glucose done through the doctors so yeah sometimes wow. it's a lot of the stuff that we need to get done privately yeah yeah so would you recommend if someone's had acne for a long time or say i think a lot of women that i know that you know they had maybe acne when they were younger and then it went away and now it's coming back as they're in their 30s and 40s would you say start off with taking these tests yeah, it tends to be blood tests tend to be the thing that I do most now, just because you can see so much out of one test. Mm-hmm. And from a hormone perspective, it's really good to see what's happening with your hormones, but without seeing things like blood sugar balance and inflammation markers and maybe getting an idea what's happening with your stress levels, you don't really know why your testosterone's high or your estrogen's yeah. low. So I do think it's a really good place to start. And yeah, it's just it's just such a big driver for um, hormone imbalances to have issues with blood sugar levels. And often you can be eating really healthy, but your insulin can still be off balance. And that can be coming from things like stress, mm-hmm. um, whether you've got a genetic disposition that puts you more at risk of like metabolic imbalances, um, mm. all of those things. So, yeah, I see a lot of people who are eating healthy, mm-hmm. we test their blood sugars and they're still not good. So mm. I do think it's a good place to start. Absolutely. So when, well, let's talk first about some of the dietary changes that, you know, may need to come into play, but also based off of what you're just saying, I'm curious, 
what you recommend when they are eating really well and you're trying to like figure out, okay, so this is something else going on that's kicking up your insulin. So what do we do about that? But let's start with dietary approach first. Yeah. So I think it's quite, you've got a lot of options that you can do from a blood glucose insulin perspective. Mm -hmm. So if you're you have no idea where to start. I'd say a good place is increasing your vegetables and your fats and your protein. Mm -hmm. because they're going to help keep blood sugar stable when you eat and kind of reduce those spikes that can be happening, which then kind of exacerbate the whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, your healthy fats, things Mm -hmm. like um, things like oily fish, avocado oil, olive oil, um, all those sorts of things are going to be really good and make sure that you're adding them to food. Never have, like carbohydrates on their own. And so that's a big thing. So if you're having something like toast for breakfast, the easiest thing to do is just add an egg on top mm-hmm. or add some avocado on there. Even if you're just going to put peanut butter on there, I personally don't like that. I find it too dry, but yeah. it's going to, it's, it's going to, yeah. With, yeah. Slow it down. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's focusing on adding things to your diet rather than thinking I need to cut out all the sugars first. Mm-hmm. And I think when you've got to a place of, I'm not just having these plain carbohydrates on their own. Um, Then you can look at kind of reducing things. So if you wanted to reduce your portion of carbs after that, or just swap it. If you're having things like white rice, you can swap over to brown rice. That's quite an easy swap to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Use things like quinoa because it will have a higher protein content than other like refined carbs that you can eat. So, yeah, I think those are simple things that you can do. And then after that, once you've kind of got on top of cravings, because you'll find when you've added things like proteins and fats and maybe swapped to complex carbs, so the things like brown rice, Mm -hmm. you don't crave as many foods because you're not having these blood sugar like drops and spikes. Mm -hmm. And then you can start taking out things like... I don't know, a Diet Coke or some chocolate, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And, you know, the big plus along the lines of what you're doing here is that your energy is also going to increase, Mm -hmm. right? Because people don't realize how tied up their energy is in those blood sugar swings, you know? So it's like, if you're just like up and down throughout the day, suddenly you're going to be like, oh, I feel more just like, consistent energy, you know, which Mm -hmm. for me, that's always the most exciting when some, when a client's like, oh yeah, I like, I noticed that I actually have more energy, you know? And it's like, yes, because things are working in your body in the way that they're supposed to. And it's getting the fuel that it needs, you know, which like you said, protein and fats and really, you know, starting to build your, um, you know, each meal around those and get enough of those and then, you know, fill the rest of that with carbs of whatever, you know, form to start and then kind of get sort of healthier and healthier over time. Um, that's, you know, that's what fuels our body, really. Yeah. 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 It's amazing for energy. And I do think it's a really good thing to do because then people might have more motivation and energy to make other changes because they start to feel so much better with something that's quite simple. Yeah. But the other thing is that it affects mental health so you might find that if you're going on a bit of a blood sugar roller coaster and you're having maybe toast and coffee for breakfast and then you have a sugary snack at some point as well Mm -hmm. those drops can make you feel really anxious or stressed Mm -hmm. and that's kind of contributing to the whole issue as well if you're Mm -hmm. thinking about hormones like sex hormones and yeah things like cortisol you want to make sure that that blood sugar is stable to get that in place and there's a huge impact on like skin 
mental health stress so again it's really good from that aspect as well to get that blood sugar stable absolutely and i just want to add on to that because it's such a big thing right now right and it's being talked about more i think recently in terms of how it's impacting women's bodies but intermittent fasting has become such a, a huge thing right and so I don't want to say so many women, but there's definitely a decent amount of women out there that are waiting until like 12 or one to have their first meal of the day and they get up and they drink coffee. And, you know, that's like, okay, on intermittent fasting. And it's like shooting your cortisol up, you know, first thing in the morning, you're not giving your body any fuel. And, you know, I actually was just reading this, um, this one, I think she's a carnivore and she was uh, talking about how you know, she basically couldn't lose weight, even though she was eating strict carnivore and doing intermittent fasting. And then she realized for her, just like literally eating first thing in the morning, changed that all around, you know? So no matter what dietary approach you take, you know, it's so important for our blood sugar stability and that cortisol stability, (laughs) excuse me, to get, you know, the first meal of the day in within like the first hour of you waking up, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's something I see a lot in clinic as well. And Mm -hmm. even if someone isn't hungry, I just try and get them to eat a little bit of protein. And I think a lot of people are actually surprised that it kickstarts their digestion just by eating something in the morning. And -hmm. if you are going to have those bigger set meals, so breakfast, lunch and dinner, you just stick Mm -hmm. to three and you don't snack. You Mm -hmm. are still getting you can still get like a five hour fast between Mm -hmm. meals rather than Mm -hmm. doing, yeah, that huge overnight fast and it's right. it's worse I guess if you wake up pretty stressed right and then your your job's stressful and you're sat in traffic and you're even more stressed mm-hmm. and then to add to the stress you haven't ate since 6 p.m last night right 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 and really you know for a cycling woman's body I find that like 12 hours is plenty to give your body a break from food right so if you eat 6 or 7 p.m and then you don't eat again until you know 7 a.m that's a nice break, you know? So, and, and, um, you know, so much of the research has been done with intermittent fasting has been done on men's bodies. And it's just different when you have hormones that basically stay the same throughout the month, you know, versus these up and downs and what our body needs to feel safe in order to mm-hmm. cycle properly. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So let's go back to, um, oh, I wanted to actually ask you to, to talk about, you mentioned about DHT, which I've talked about on here before, but I'm not sure that everybody knows that and understands sort of how our uh, hormones metabolize and how they can go down these different pathways. So could you share that? Yeah. So I suppose if you're doing, you can test it in blood, you can see your DHT levels in blood. um, But a lot of people might be more familiar with it on a Dutch test where you can Mm -hmm. see that like kind of when you look at your androgens, you can see those two different um, forms of you've got testosterone on one side and then you've got this DHT form on the other side. Mm-hmm. And you can have, you can actually have low levels of testosterone, but high levels of DHT, mm-hmm. which can be confusing if you test on, yeah, you do a blood test and you're not looking at DHT and you mm-hmm. have low testosterone. Mm-hmm. And then you think, but I've got all these symptoms of testosterone. It could be that it's going down that pathway, which is more potent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can still get those symptoms of increased facial hair or body hair. Um, you might have hair thinning 
and um, things like acne, oily skin, like you said, the, the deeper voice as well. So it's it's a 5-alpha reductase enzyme that's converting these androgens down this pathway, which is so much more potent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you have a recommendation on what can help not push down that pathway or push down that 5B pathway instead? Yeah, so zinc's a really important one. You might want to go a bit higher on a zinc dosage for a mm-hmm. short period of time to really like focus on that enzyme and mm-hmm. block it and make sure it's going down to testosterone and mm-hmm. just help to regulate testosterone levels. Um, things like green tea and matcha, I'm a massive fan of, cause I think they're quite easy to add in mm-hmm. to your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things like, uh, saw palmetto mm-hmm. is a herb that can be used as well commonly mm-hmm. and lycopene. So just getting people to increase like tomatoes, mm-hmm. tomato puree, these can all help. Um, to kind of help with healthy testosterone levels and block that pathway. But interestingly, you can do it topically on the skin as well. I mean, you're always, you always want to focus internally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are certain topical things that you can do to help with reducing that conversion within the skin. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. So things like, again, zinc, um, mm-hmm. B5 and uh linoleic acid is another Mm. good one so it might be why evening primrose can be beneficial interesting yeah well and you think about zinc is well known for being helpful for the skin right Mm -hmm. i mean healing for the skin all of those interesting i never knew that it could actually do the conversion there on the skin fascinating Yeah. (laughs) yeah Okay, so we're, I definitely want to end up getting, you know, into talking about more herbs and things like that. But let's go back to the, you know, what you mentioned earlier, sometimes women are really eating a clean diet, you know, or a, a diet that suits their bodies well, and they still are having, you know, the, the high T issues, the high blood sugar issues. So what do you do in that case? And what are some of the ways that, you know, that they need to support themselves? Yeah. So I think if that's happening, so if someone's come in and their diet is like perfect mm-hmm. um, and then we get that result is when you need to look at the full, the full picture. So mm-hmm. the gut microbiome can contribute to imbalances in insulin and blood sugar regulation. Mm-hmm. Stress is a big driver of it as well. Inflammation. So again, with inflammation, you want to be thinking what's causing inflammation. And again, that could be coming from the gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. It could be a genetic disposition that you might be more prone to. Again, it can be stress. It could be underlying infections. It could mm-hmm. be a lack of beneficial bacteria damage to the gut lining. So all these things could be contributing to it. And that's when you need to zoom out and and look at all those things and kind mm-hmm. of tick off what's not causing it and then focus on what possibly is. Mm-hmm. So do you utilize gut testing in that process? Yeah. So I will often combine like a blood test with a stool test. Cause I mm-hmm. think the more you do stool testing, the more you can kind of maybe take an educated guess of what's yeah. happening from a gut perspective. But there's yep. a lot of times where you think, you know, what's going to come up and then you do a stool test and you're like, well, wasn't expecting to see that. hundred <laughs> percent. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll be like, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's H. pylori going on, and then it does, it doesn't show up on the test, or vice versa, you know, like uh, with some of the opportunistic bacteria. So I get that, you know, you're like, well, that's why testing's helpful, right? Because otherwise, we're just guessing. Yeah, definitely. And you get so much information from doing like a comprehensive stool test as well. Mm-hmm. You're looking at inflammation within the gut, mm-hmm. um, which is going to affect hormones and 
your skin so it can mm-hmm. manifest in the skin as well if you've got issues going on from a gut side yeah and just looking at those levels of bacteria so a lot of the time it's not that someone's got an infection necessarily it could be that they've got high levels of beneficial bacteria mm-hmm. but when they get to those levels of the levels that they're in they start to cause an issue right so you can rule out all of that and then the thing I really like as well is when you get to see an insight to people's digestive function so yeah. looking at those um products of protein breakdown you can mm-hmm. see that and that's really important for seeing if someone's actually getting because you can be eating really well but if you're not digesting and absorbing you're not getting the benefits so that's another thing that can happen if someone's yeah. eating really healthy and yeah. they're not seeing benefits yeah um, it could be that you're not actually absorbing it yep not breaking it down absorbing it that's you know i think half the issue for a a lot of people out there that are eating healthy already. And they're like, I don't understand, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, yeah. it's what you, it's what you digest and absorb, not just what you eat. Um, and what did you just say that I wanted to, uh, Oh, about the beneficial bacteria. I thought that was a really good point too. Cause people think, Oh, I just want as much of the good bacteria as possible. And that's not true either. Right. Because good guys can become bad guys essentially if there's too many of them. Right. And so our microbiome is such a balance and we really want to see what's happening in there so that we can bring things more into a balance instead of just like high levels and low levels of these different things, which is I'm sure what you see a lot on, on testing too, um, as I do. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I love that you've said this word several times and I think it's important to always come back to is talking about inflammation because inflammation really underlies every disease, you know, and all the things that you're talking about is, Hey, let's work essentially on the inflammatory responses that are going on and calm those down. And it's like everything in the body works better when the inflammation comes down. And these are the different ways that you can get inflamed really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a, I suppose you can see it more maybe if someone's got like more progressive inflammatory acne, they've got really inflamed cysts, you can mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, attach the inflammation. It's more easy to kind of see it, but yeah. maybe from a PCOS perspective, if someone's not, suffering with really bad acne because that can happen as well not every mm-hmm. woman with PCOS has right. acne right it might or be even uh, to... even ovarian uh, cysts they yeah. don't always have them too so yeah yeah so it can be hard maybe to kind of process that I've got inflammation when I don't have that Obvious. yeah visible mm-hmm. pain or redness that you can see mm-hmm. but yeah you can see that in a blood test as well so the markers like ESR CRP, high sensitive mm-hmm. CRP, things you can get tested um, to see where you're at from an inflammatory perspective. But then also you can see it in the gut. So it might be the secretory IgA is really mm-hmm. high, calprotectin is mm-hmm. really high. Uh, they will give you insight as well to inflammation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Such good stuff because really when you're working on, you know, this one area in this instance, which we're talking about acne, you're really impacting all the systems in the body from a beneficial perspective, right? Because those inflammatory markers, you know, can be pointing to inflammation in different parts of the body, you know, like, especially like we look at that high, you know, the high sensitivity one, it's like, okay, so there's probably some heart inflammation going on here. So there's just like all of these benefits to taking this approach, even just Mm -hmm. beyond you're healing your acne, right? You're like really healing your body. 
Yeah, and it's something that I think can be a positive Mm -hmm. with having acne. I know that it'll be really hard for someone to hear if they have active acne now, and they're thinking, how the heck is this a positive? Mm -hmm. But you can see that there's something happening Mm -hmm. topically Mm -hmm. on the skin, and it forces you to dive deeper, whereas someone who's maybe more prone to something like cardiovascular disease, you don't have that warning Mm -hmm. sign. You might Mm -hmm. just one day have blocked arteries and have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Yeah. That's a really good point. And yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, it's definitely a mindset shift that we have to make, but when our bodies are, you know, under duress and they're letting us know that really gives us this opportunity to make the changes that need to be made versus yeah, not knowing, you know? And I mean, sometimes for myself, I'm like so tuned into my body. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I wasn't because <laughs> it's like every little thing. I'm sure you're similar, right? Like once you've gone through this, you're just like, okay, I'm sort of hypervigilant. But I do know right off the bat if something isn't good for my body or isn't working for my body, you know? And so what I tell my clients all the time is develop that relationship with your body because it, it does want the best for you. It is letting you know that something's off so that you really do have this opportunity to work with it now before it gets worse, you know? Yeah. And, and I know that's hard when nothing bad has ever happened to you. Like I get it, you know, you're just like, but I feel fine. You know, it's like, well, yeah, but this is probably going to happen down the road. Um, and I get it. So sometimes people need a wake up call, but you know, I just, if you can get there before having the wake up call, life is so much easier. <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the stress component, um, and what you, you know, recommend for your patients that do, you see that that's part of the issue. Yeah, it's a hard one. I guess it's a hard one with all chronic disease, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think when acne's because people are so, you know, your, your appearance makes such a difference to your self-esteem and mm-hmm. how you interact with other people. There is a huge issue with skin conditions and the mental health side. So mm-hmm. having that skin condition in itself is very stressful. Mm-hmm. People with any skin condition really are more prone to things like anxiety, depression. It can affect their intimate relationships they can Mm. have social withdrawal they just don't want to be seen Mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely a hard one Mm -hmm. there's the things that we've spoken about that you can do from a nutritional standpoint so working on the stress response maybe with supporting adrenals and putting some of those calming herbs in things like magnesium can be really really nice just to support the stress response Mm -hmm. but then also i think this is where it's really good to combine like all the therapies so you know, if you can speak to a therapist, I do often encourage that someone tries to speak to a therapist just to talk through how they're feeling. And also mm-hmm. things like CBT can really help mm-hmm. with your thought processes. So mm-hmm. you might go, it was some, definitely something I was doing when I had really bad skin. I didn't want to go out because I thought everyone's just going to stare at my skin and they're going to be thinking, God, isn't her skin really bad? Mm-hmm. Looks really painful, mm-hmm. whatever else they could possibly say, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it, like you don't know if people are actually thinking that right and CBT can help with changing your mindset which then helps to reduce stress which will help mm. with inflammation and hormones because it's really hard to get these balanced um yeah when you're when you're really really stressed but then also if you're working topically on the skin you can help to reduce some of that inflammation um and that can help from a self-esteem perspective as well because you'll see 
you'll see benefits quicker when you're mm-hmm. combining all of them together. So yeah, I think the combination mm-hmm. of working on your mental health. I mean, if you can't afford to see a therapist, there's other things that you can do, sure. like just things that you enjoy, meditation, yoga, mm-hmm. deep breaths. Um, even like positive affirmations can help with that thought process as well. So yeah. those are things that you can do. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, it's it's a huge component of any health issue, right? Is the trauma that we have stored in our bodies, you know, the belief systems, all those kinds of things. And so I do think it's so helpful if you're able to work with a therapist that you really feel um, connected to and that can truly support you in the process, right? Because doing that alongside the dietary changes, the supplements and all of that is going to give you such a, um, so much more success really. Because, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, people don't always understand that trauma that's kind of stuck in the body, um, you know, can consistently run our our stress system, kind of keep us in this more fight or flight response all the time. So it's really hard to get into our calming parasympathetic nervous system without actually kind of rooting out that trauma. Yeah. And I suppose when you're talking about the, the hormone pathways as well, if you're mm-hmm. stressed and you're mm-hmm. trying to balance hormones, it's so good luck luck. I know that's why I always I mean people are always like why are you talking about stress stuff all the time why are you talking about cortisol all the time because you have to tackle cortisol if you're going to work on your sex hormones you know people kind of like you said earlier you know people want to jump to maybe hormone testing or seeing where their testosterone is at and it's like yes that's useful information but that's that's kind of what's happening up here because of everything that we need to get at that's down here, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, we need to get in here and change the course of things. And that's going to be what impacts your hormones rather than trying to go in necessarily right off the bat and test your hormones and be like, okay, you know, and, you know, it depends on the individual. It's, I, I won't say that I don't ever go in early and test hormones, but um, you really getting the foundations in place that we've talked about today and using a lot of the blood tests that you talked about, that's really the places that we want to start and really support the body from those perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And stress is going to have a huge impact on how well you're absorbing those nutrients to create healthy hormones as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not even that it's just like you're creating cortisol instead of things like progesterone and Mm -hmm. um, because they're not safe to have a baby. That's what your body's really thinking. So why would they, why would it make things to make you have a baby when you're not in an area that's safe to reproduce? Yeah. Um, But yeah, you won't, if you're stressed, it kind of shuts down the digestive system. So you're not going to be absorbing the things that you need to even make hormones well it's not that you're not going to have any you will have some right right right, yeah you're not going to have those raw materials as much as you need absolutely and I always tell people you know whether or not you want to have a baby is kind of irrelevant right is that the word irrelevant yeah (laughs) (laughs) that sounded weird when it came out (laughs) but it's it's we want our bodies to feel like we're trying to get pregnant you know like it's like I totally get you not wanting to get pregnant. I've been through that my entire life, you know, but the point is to make your body feel that way because that is how your menstrual cycle is going to work properly to be, you know, safe, secure, have all the 
materials that you need, you know, to have the communication between your brain and your ovaries working really well, that whole feedback loop. And yeah, that's not going to happen if your body thinks that you're running from a saber toothed tiger, you know, like if you think mm-hmm. evolutionary wise, that is our bodies, we're going to shut down that process of being able to hold and grow a life if we're trying to protect our own life. And so when mm-hmm. we're caught in this stress response all the time, it's like your body's like, oh, we're freaking out. We're just trying to keep you alive right now, you know? So, um, okay. So let's, I know we're coming up on time, but um, let's really quickly talk about any other herbs or nutrient supports that, you know, you haven't mentioned that you feel like are really helpful um, when it comes to acne. Yeah. I think a big one is definitely, I did talk about it a little bit, but your essential fats. So they're Mm going to be really important for reducing inflammation within the skin. They help with just the skin cell cycle and making sure that you've got a healthy skin barrier and regulating oil production. And then it also helps from a hormone side as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just omega-3, you definitely want a lot of because it can be hard to get that perfect ratio um, Mm -hmm. from a diet perspective. So definitely do like a higher dose omega-3, but also I think people can be scared of omega-6 because they don't want to throw off that ratio. Again, it's something you can test so you can Mm -hmm. see where you're at with your omega-6 and omega-3 ratio but omega-6 is really important for skin barrier production um yeah skin barrier health mm-hmm. um and when you combine them it can be really nice to just help reduce inflammation so yeah those good forms of omega-6 are really beneficial mm-hmm. for reducing inflammation so yeah if you're not eating fish or you don't you're vegan you can mm-hmm. get a vegan omega-3 right. that you can take um you just might have to take a few more capsules to get there yeah. The equivalent of a fish oil but yeah. yeah that's really important i'd say majority of my clients are being put on some sort of omega supplement to help mm-hmm. with skin um and Can then i guess you really the- quick before you go on so when you're talking about the omega-6s um you know that most of us get dietarily um you know through the oils and things that are cooking our food in but you're also maybe talking about other things like um there's a couple of different ones, right. That are particularly good for skin. Um, and I'm trying to think of the ones that as in like evening primrose. Yeah. Like evening primrose. Yeah. Yeah, And borage. Yeah. That's what I was like. Where is it? Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of the specific ones that you're focusing on rather than say like, obviously I know you're not trying to say canola oil or whatever, but but (laughs) these specific skin omega sixes that are, are really supportive of skin essentially. Yeah. And also things like sea buckthorn oil, Mm, slightly different amida that it's higher in. But yeah, a really nice one for reducing inflammation. And you can, yeah, take it topically. Yeah. I mean, not topically, orally. If Mm -hmm. you were going to use it topically or if you've got any skincare, it's very orange. um, Mm. So it's probably staying. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's so orange. So yeah, I'd say do it from a dietary perspective. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you can add it to foods or it does come as a capsule as well but that can really help with moisturizing the skin and reducing inflammation i know some people will recommend doing um you know say fish oil for the first half of your cycle and evening primrose or borage seed for the second half that luteal phase do you recommend doing that or does it matter can people take it at any time yeah i suppose i typically tend to probably stage it as I put in omega-3 first Mm because I find it works really well for reducing inflammation so a high dose of omega-3 
And then when we're kind of getting through a protocol, maybe want to do a little bit more topical support. I then put in evening primrose. But, but yeah, I don't really, I don't tend to cycle it, but I know that some people do and mm-hmm. it can help in that way. But generally I just, I'd say my go-to is more so omega-3 and then yeah. I'd use them together throughout the cycle. Got, gotcha. And I think it can get complicated for people sometimes to say, you know, this part of your cycle do this and this part of your cycle. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you forget so, and then you end up not taking it. Right, and right. Get a benefit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just go ahead and take it the whole time. You'll be fine. So, okay, that cut you off earlier when you were talking about other herbs or nutrients. Yeah, so I guess, again, it depends what happens from a testing perspective Mm -hmm. so we spoke about what's good for testosterone um there are other botanicals that you can use for like balancing estrogen and progesterone Mm so i'd say with progesterone you might want to focus on stress because that can be a big killer of something like progesterone so yeah some of the calming things like chamomile also a really good one for reducing inflammation um and supporting gut health um magnesium I guess it's not herb but it's right no nurseries are fine too yeah 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 absolutely it doesn't have to be all herbs well and yeah. do you find most women with PCOS do end up having that low estrogen it can go either way sometimes I see people with low estrogen low progesterone because they're not ovulating so they mm-hmm. won't have healthy progesterone levels but also because testosterone can then aromatize, aromatize and convert yeah. into estrogen mm-hmm. you can actually have high testosterone and high levels of estrogen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, some things that are really good if you've got high levels of estrogen, which is also going to be inflammatory and might contribute to things like fibroids and cysts mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, things like broccoli, all your cruciferous vegetables, but yeah, I tend to go more so for broccoli. Broccoli sprouts, cauliflower, those are really good for helping to promote more healthy versions of estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um and to help reduce inflammation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I guess there's other, there's other herbs like Vitex that people might try. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I think you can't just go in with some of these herbs that say that they're going to help with progesterone and estrogen and then not be thinking about why they were off balance in the first place. You could take right. loads of yeah Vitex and nothing happens because it's, it's further upstream that it's actually causing the issue. Right. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of people will jump to, an herb that they hear is really good or even a nutrient that they hear is really good for these things. And it's like, but you need to find out specifically what's happening in your body. You know, I mean, for example, going back to the zinc, you know, that is something that you can test for and you can even see in your alkaline phosphatase on a regular Mm. panel, right. That that's low. And that is a big one for a lot of people. Um, and so, that's why I'm such a big proponent of doing these, you know, especially some of these basic blood tests where we can really figure out a lot and just support those nutrients being uplifted in your body and getting your digestion working well too. Right. And then, and then you can like bring in some of these other herbs to support, you know, once, once you've got those foundations in place. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this amazing, you know, tutelage on skin health and PCOS. Um, I I think that, you know, unfortunately, PCOS is definitely underdiagnosed, at least here in the States. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, you know, they're really, it's not, I don't want to say it's, it's not easy, but there are, um, there's a simple path, (laughs) 
towards actually working with it from the root cause, which we've talked about today, right? So I'm definitely not saying it's easy because there's, you know, making changes and bringing in changes takes time and you should work with a practitioner on that and and get really specific like we've talked about today and figuring out what's going on in your body. So um, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, so I think I'm most active on Instagram. So mm-hmm. you can find me on Instagram. I guess okay. if you want to ask any questions, that's where it's best to do it. So yeah, my Instagram is Amelia Nutrition. And then I do have my website as well. If you wanted to send me an email, um, all my contact info is on there. Sounds good. Which is amelianutrition.co.uk. <laughs> are you able to work with uh, people outside of the UK or just in the UK? Yeah, I do work with people um, outside of the UK. I'd say because I'm based in the UK, most of my clients are sure. UK based. But yeah. I do. Yeah, we can work around like time zones and yeah. stuff. So I do have people um, elsewhere and we work online. One yeah. to one. Sounds good. Yeah, we definitely there's definitely listeners um, in Europe and the UK on this for this podcast, which I'm so glad you guys are all here. But also, I just was wondering for anybody in the US that's looking for somebody. So yeah, I'm the same thing. One of my um, coworkers, I, I mentioned to you earlier, she's in Belgium and we're like navigating the time changes all the time, but you make it work. I mean, it's not really that bad during the day, you know, during the week, you can make it happen. Yeah. You so. might just, um, someone ends up being a little bit early or a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> <in the day. laughs> exactly. That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun talking about everything. I know, it's good stuff. All right, you guys, I will see you next time. Bye.